0: Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Today, I'm going to be giving you seven steps on how to deconstruct internalized homophobia. Welcome to Queer Christian Conversation with me, your host, Coach Yama. I help people who identify as a Christian who are also LGBTQIA make peace with their faith and their sexuality. So I'm gonna load the music a little bit and wait for people to join. How is everybody doing today? Um, For all the new people, I see a lot of new faces on my page. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, You guys can tell that we are in a different background again today. I shared my home office coming together, and so right now I just have this blank wall behind me, but that's all right, we'll make it work, all right? Okay, so, hello, hello, welcome in, welcome in, everybody. How y'all doing today? Let me know where you are tuning in from as I pull up my notes here. Hello, hello. Hey, Anna. Hi, hi, hi. Hey, Kimmy. How you guys doing today? How was your week? How how was your week? Um, it's been a week since we talked. Let me know how you've been doing Hello, hello, hello. So again, we're I'm going to be giving you seven steps today on, hey, Ms. Toya, on how to deconstruct internalized homophobia. Now, this is going to be, I love that, beloved. Hey, South Ka- South Kackalacky. Hey, Q. Hello, hello, everyone. How are you? How are you? Welcome in. It was good calling from SoCal. Oh, awesome. So I'm glad you had a good week. Yesterday was like a rough day for me. I've been dealing with some personal things. So I had a rough day yesterday, but all in all, my week has been amazing. I'm always excited. Today is my favorite day to get a chat with you all. Um, yes, I am blessed and highly favored, Toya. Thank you very much. Again, we're going to be going over seven steps on how to deconstruct internalized homophobia. Now, this is a teaser, for the seven-day devotional that I did for the Our Bible app. It's a queer, affirming, progressive um, app where it has the Bible on there. There are communities that you can join. And in order to access the seven-day devotional I did, um, you will need to subscribe and pay uh, $4.99 a month to have that, hey, be more, hello, hello. So um, let's just get into it. Because you guys know I like to come in and go out unless you have questions, unless you have comments. But I'm in, and my out. And you know what's really funny? Because I do my makeup and pull, put all this on only to sit here for half an hour. But I love it anyways, okay? This is my job. I love it. This is my joy. It's my job and my joy. Hey, cousin. Okay. So, and let me know if you have questions. Don't let me be a talking head. I told you all before, this is... Um, the second to the last question that I'm going to be answering from the uh, questions that were requested when I posted um, what you wanted to talk about probably maybe it's probably been like about two months now that we've been going through these questions. So thank you all so much. Um, Moving forward, I am going to be asking if you want to come and join me live so we can have a really beautiful conversation, okay? And then again, my name is Coach Yema and I help people who are LGBTQIA, who identify as Christians to make peace with their faith and their sexuality. So let's get started these seven steps are in the form of seven questions that i take you through in the seven day devotional so i'm gonna give you little teasers obviously i can't give you the whole thing okay so go ahead and invest in yourself for 4.99 i don't know if you have to if you invest for this month if you have to continue that or you just pay monthly um i think that may be how that works okay welcome in everyone hello hello okay let me load the music So let's start with the question question number one is first of all we have to know um, answer the question what exactly is internalized homophobia now homophobia can be a trigger word for some people so you can replace that with internalized sexual stigma and um let me get the definition here that i shared in the in the devotional all right so internalized homophobia is something um, that is shame-inducing, okay? And let me, I'm looking for the definition here. So it refers to the personal acceptance and endorsement of sexual stigma as part of the individual's value system and self-concept. So basically, all of the, the negative ways people feel about, being non-heterosexual, being um, gay, bisexual, lesbian, queer, asexual, all of those, that stigma, when you um, when it becomes internalized, that's what it is, right? I'm internalizing the sexual stigma that I've learned from church, that I've seen in movies, that I've heard in music. I know certain Jamaican music can be very, very homophobic. Um, I don't know if you all remember the song, um, Burn the Chichiman. I didn't know what that song meant until I got into this work and learned that Chichiman was talking about gay men and they were talking about burning them. And that was a very popular song. So all of that internalized, um, all of that stigma, we tend to unintentionally, right, take it in. I've talked before about internalized racism. I've We've had that conversation. So however anybody feels about your identity, your core identity, I share that on the um on the stories I think it was yesterday about no that was today about the core parts of your identity the the blue center are the core parts so your race your sexual orientation when people have stigma when they have negative opinions cuz they're just opinions they're not facts <laughs> when they have negative opinions about who you are you we can unintentionally tend to take that in and own it and the next question that we have to ask ourselves when we're moving through this is how do I know that I have it? How do I know that I have internalized homophobia, right? Because we can we can hear the word and say, no, that's not me. I'm not, I don't have any internalized uh, sexual stigma. I'm not homophobic towards myself. It can be very jarring and it can also be a little embarrassing in a way to talk about because we don't want to be that person that still has um the homophobia other people have about us and then we own it. So here's here's two questions. In the devotional there's um let me see here. I should probably make this a little smaller so I can see it. How do I know I have it? So in the devotional I have nine questions that you can rate yourself on to see if you have it. One of the questions that I thought was really really interesting that um if someone offered me the chance to be completely heterosexual i would accept the chance that's one of the questions to rate yourself so do you strongly agree with that or do you strongly disagree with that i know for me um back in the day i would have strongly agreed that if somebody offered me the possibility to be completely heterosexual and me too as a queer bi person i um have I've had struggled with the biphobia that's in the LGBTQIA community. So for me, this could go either way. If someone gave me the opportunity to be 100% lesbian or 100% heterosexual because I had internalized It just paused. I'm sorry about that. Um, asexual people are aromantic people. They do not have sexual or um, romantic attractions to anyone. And that is the right spelling. So if someone offered me back in the day, if they said, do you wanna be 100% lesbian or you wanna be 100% heterosexual? I would have said, yeah, because I had internalized biphobia and homophobia as well, okay? So another question that you can ask yourself and to get all of them, you have to go to the Our Bible app. But another question to rate yourself to see that if you have internalized sexual stigma is that, um. I feel that being lesbian slash bisexual is a personal shortcoming for me. If you feel that it is a personal shortcoming, that somehow in you being fully who you're supposed to be, that this, your sexual orientation in some kind of way hinders you from being that, that is, those are some, Um. you're welcome Q, those are some indicators that you have, and there's eight of them, so don't just base it on these two, right? Um. That you have internalized sexual stigma, you've taken the stigma that other people have about you, and this doesn't mean that you hate yourself, I don't want you to hear it like that, it's just that you don't, you just wish you weren't. <laughs> I mean, really sim- simply put, you just wish you weren't, right? so the other thing the other question that you have to ask yourself once you figure out what it is you see you determine if you have it in your life the third question you have to ask yourself is how is it affecting my life how is this showing up and um it can show up i talk about two ways how it can show up in your life there's the silent way it can show up And there's the loud way. I'll talk about the loud way because I think we've seen that in the media more often or just in your social circle where people are very loud against people who are LGBTQIA. And they are very vocal. They're very clear that they're not in agreement with it. Um, they're the people on social media that are sharing all of the posts that are saying there's a gay agenda, heterosexual, homosexuality is wrong. Uh, these people are trying to twist the scriptures and we've seen people who are in the pulpit, people who are in the public eye, people who are politicians who have been very vocal in their policies and their rhetoric come out later on, they're exposed and turns out they are LGBTQIA+. And now they have to backtrack and heal through all of that. But there's a silent way that it can happen and you need to go to the app to read that, but that's the loud way it can happen. And that is the dangerous way it can happen because you know within yourself that you have these feelings and in order for you to fight it, you think that the way to do that is to be very vocal against this community, which alienates you because now you're showing up even in the the conversations with people who are in agreement with you, you're not even being yourself. So you start to isolate yourself because you're being fake all of the time and you're caring and you know tooting this thing about being anti-homosexual um, and that is who you are. Can you just imagine? Um, maybe some of you can see that in your life. I know for me, I wrote a book <laughs> and it had a chapter in it that was very loud and very non-affirming of me. Okay, so I've had all of this. I've had the silent effect of internalized homophobia, sexual stigma, and I've had the loud effect of internalized sexual stigma. So don't feel if you're like, if I'm talking and it's coming up for you, like, man, I remember I used to do that. Or maybe you're thinking now, like, yeah, I do do that. Don't feel bad about it. It's okay. That's why you have to go read the devotional. It takes you through on how to heal through that. But I've experienced it and it's completely... I'm not going to say I don't like the word normal, but it's okay. All right. So after you see how it's affecting your life, because here's the thing, I'm not going to be able to make a change in my life. If I don't see how what I'm going through is actually affecting all the areas of my life, emotionally, physically, my relationships. If I don't see that, if the reality of it isn't in my face, I'm not going to be motivated to make a change. Like when you set up a free call with me, I'm going to ask you this question, what you're going through right now, how is it affecting your life? Because if you don't see the dangers of it, you're not going to want to change. You're not going to want to make any, any decision in a direction towards freedom or wholeness. And that is just life, right? And that goes for anything. If I am a drinker, uh, that is somebody who abuses alcohol and I don't see that it is, um, affecting my relationships. I don't see that as affecting my mood. I don't see the level of impact that it's having negative impact that it's having in my life. I'm not going to want to make a change, right? So that's why we have to number one, define it. I need to know what it is. Okay. Number two, I need to be sure and identify if it's in me or not. And once I identify it, I need to know how it's affecting me. And then the fourth step, okay, is how do I know that this internalized sexual stigma is not a conviction from God? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry that it keeps pausing. I'm in my basement, so I think maybe my Wi-Fi is uh, affecting this a little bit, so I apologize about that. I may need to move um, and do something with this. I don't know. I apologize. So... How do I know that this is not, hey, Stephanie, or Stephane, I'm sorry. How do I know that this is not a conviction from God? I'm gonna read this scripture to you that I put in here. Hey, it's the seminarian. Um, the scripture is from Isaiah 54.9 in the in the Bible study. And it says, just as I swore, swore, in the time of Noah, that I, this is God speaking, that I would never again let a flood cover the earth. So now I swear, that I would never again be angry and punish you." We think when we are hard on ourselves, when we're mean to ourselves, when we're punishing ourselves, that um, this is a conviction from God because that's what we were taught, right? Carry your cross. Um, If it's not painful, that means God's not correcting you. And so we learn to have a toxic relationship with the conviction of God right? And I think you saw the quote that was put up. That voice of shame, the voice of guilt, the voice of um, condemnation, right? Romans 8, 1, there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. The voice of condemnation, shame, guilt is never from God. Internalized sexual stigma is all about shame. It's all about condemnation, right? Because the people who are telling you that there is something wrong with it, they want you to be ashamed, they want you to feel guilty. They want you to feel that there is something deep down intrinsically wrong with you that needs to be changed. And that is just never the voice of God. Okay. So number four, now that I see that is affecting my life, but maybe it's affecting my life in this way because I'm rebelling against the conviction of God. Not so. Not true at all. And to go deeper into it again, I'm going to keep plugging it. Go to our Bible app. Okay. And get and get deeper into it because I go into talking about the difference between God convicting you about what you're doing versus God convicting you about who you are, okay? Your being and your doing and those convictions are two totally different things. I've had an experience with God before where I don't know what to do about it. I don't want to change right now. I'm so sorry, guys. Please be patient. I know it keeps cutting out. Um, we're going to have to think about maybe another place to... Do the lives because I'm in my basement. Okay. And then number five, where did internalized homophobia come from? Okay. Now that I have it, I realize that I have it. I know that this is not God convicting me. So if it's not God, who is it? Well, it's plainly the devil, right? But the enemy of our souls uses people, uses situations that will confirm or affirm to you that really there really is something wrong with you right and simply put what i talk about in the in the devotional is that it's just from ignorance from us listening to teachers and preachers who have no idea and had no studied never studied on human sexuality okay right so hosea 4 6 is very simple there's no need to hate on them no need to be angry um and i know it's hard for us to consider forgiving those people that hurt us with their wrong teachings but that is just what we're called to do right we're supposed to love our enemies and bless those who curse us okay that's in romans 8 as well so hosea 4 6 says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge Oh, Grace, that verse is Isaiah 54. I'm sorry I missed that. Is Isaiah 54, let me pull it up, 54.9. That's the scripture where God says he will never, ever be angry with us again. So anybody teaching that God's mad at you, um, that he's angry with you, uh, God is in a very good mood. <laughs> he's very happy. <laughs> he loves you. He's having a great... Do you know that in heaven, all they're doing right now is celebrating, singing, you know? Um, is it Zephaniah or Zechariah? I don't know. I always miss it. It might be Zephaniah 317 that says God is dancing over us, okay? Rejoicing over who we are. He's not angry at you, okay? So when you're hearing a voice that's telling you you need to repent and you need to um, grapple and you need to pray more and pray harder so I can... Like, first of all, okay... <laughs> sent jesus without us asking um if we were really able to pray with a gay we just wouldn't be born gay to begin with okay uh so it's very intentional by god who you are and you don't need to pray that away he's not angry with you and so where did um our fifth question here where did internalized homophobia sexual stigma come from hosea 4 6 my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge we have people in the pulpits we have teachers who never even had the sex talk with their own parents getting on pulpits and teaching a sexual ethic that they have no idea what a sexual ethic is even supposed to mean okay they have they don't know they they don't teach us sex ed from a whole holistic um beautiful pleasure positive perspective in school and they're definitely not teaching it in church so of course anything that looks different from performing missionary uh, <laughs> missionary sex on my wedding day, which we can talk about that later because that's a whole bunch of whatever, okay? So anything that looks different from that, I'm going to demonize it because I don't understand it. And if it's easier for you to even consider, let's talk about the race thing, okay? It was easy for me as a white colonizer going to Africa and seeing beautiful naked women to not understand it and demonize their sexuality as a race of people and demonize them as a race of people as being less than human. Wrong understanding, lack of knowledge is causing us to perish. And not just perish in the sense of dying, perish in the sense of, Anxiety. Perish in the sense of depression. Perish in the sense of we never get to see who God created you to be. We never get to see your purpose manifest in the earth because there's some preacher and teacher telling you that there's something intrinsically wrong with you and forcing you to hide who you are. My people perish for a lack of knowledge. And so in every Bible college, in every um, seminary, they need to be teaching a course on human sexuality. Plain and simple. It's not that hard, okay? The truth will set us free, all right? Okay? Now, (laughs) I'm trying to rush a little bit through this because I'm concerned about the the Wi-Fi down here. I'll fix that for next time. I'll probably do some test runs um, this weekend to see how we can work through that. Number six. So now that you know where it's coming from, people just slow. (laughs) Just messing with y'all today. Um, Can you tell I'm in a very good mood? And that's very intentional. Me and Jesus had a beautiful time this morning. It was rough. Um, Woke up having all kinds of crazy thoughts and had to get up and be intentional and do what I teach and uh, journal myself through it and get myself back into that higher vibration. And so I'm just feeling really, really good today. This is my normal, okay? Um, I do indulge in alcohol. But um, honestly, there was a while there that I wasn't drinking and my friends would think that I was drinking because I'm always on 10. Like, I'm always happy, (laughs) but I worked on that. That didn't just happen, okay? Um, (laughs) So, number six, how do I get rid of it? If the cause of it is ignorance, the solution is education. And there's a three-pronged approach that I talk about in the devotional that we have to deal with. I'm gonna talk about one of them which is biological, you have to understand and go deep into this. So we must rethink the biological functions of sex only as an act of procreation to a complete understanding of sexual behavior as a journey of pleasure. We also must understand and see pleasure as an attribute of God and a righteous pursuit. Okay, because biologically, we can have internal homophobia, sexual stigma with questions like, well, how come the parts don't fit together? How come we can't have a baby by two, you know, why can't two men or two women naturally have a baby if God was okay with this? This is our misunderstanding of what sex, sexual behavior, sexuality actually is. And so I have, there's two other prongs to it. They're psychological and theological, but the first one is biological, okay? That we have to hit it from these three different aspects to fully get that ignorance out of your heart, right? And out of your mind. So biologically, sex is a journey because <laughs> that's what people think about. Like, how does that, how, how come that part's hanging out and this part, how come they bumping and grinding this part? Okay, we're grown. We can have this conversation. Um, how, how does that work? God is a God of pleasure, okay? When he create, and I'll always say this to y'all. When he created Adam and Eve, he put them in the Garden of Eden. Eden translated, okay, is a place of pleasure. They didn't even have start having babies till after. Sorry about that. So they didn't start have, having babies till they were. Let me wait a minute. It keeps pausing. I'm so sorry, y'all. We're almost done. I'll fix it for next time. I apologize. So like I keep trying to say, <laughs> they didn't start having babies until they were out of the garden. So how, how were they knowing each other before that time? It was good stuff, okay? Can you imagine the orgasms in the Garden of Eden? Not having no, not Eve, not being uh, self-conscious about her body because she was made perfectly, okay? The first woman, come on, Jesus. <laughs> Adam looking stacked, okay? And they were black people with probably long dreadlocks. Glistening, okay, melanin popping everywhere. I know I know that sex was great, okay. Anyway, so biologically we have to understand that and we have to teach it, okay? A word, yes the <laughs> Yes, Anna. We have to think about that. Okay, man, that pain. Let me not because you know, purity culture talks about they'll teach you how it's supposed to be painful when you're having sex and it's supposed to be all about the hymen and the blood and the covenant i get all that stuff about blood and covenant sex is not supposed to be painful emotionally or physically and even still spiritually okay i know married couples who invite jesus into their time together i don't know why you wouldn't like, who else knows this person's body better than the one who created it? Like, why wouldn't you ask God where to touch and how to please this person and how to approach sex with them? That makes sense to me, okay? I could go deeper, but I go deeper with my uh, my clients and telling them what my sexual practices and ethics are around this topic uh, because people can get, specifically with this, the, the sex part, can get very um, uncomfortable about it, but that's why i love my job because i'm very comfortable story time let me tell you a story so i used to work on the prayer lines at the ministry and there was this guy that was a repeat caller that would call all the time and try to like um offend the people the prayer ministers he was i don't know if he was in prison i don't know no he wasn't in prison he was calling from somewhere and he would be talking about like how he was masturbating and like how did god feel about that and everybody like else that would get him would be like so nervous to talk to him Tell me when, why, when I got him, they're like, after the call, they're like, Are you okay? Is everything all right? I was on that phone with that man for a minute, okay? We talked, he was like, Are you okay? I said, I'm absolutely fine. So when you masturbate, what thoughts are you having? And he was shocked. I don't think he called back after that. <laughs> you wanna talk about it, honey? We could go all into it. I'm not the one, okay? God called me for a reason, <laughs> okay? So, <clears throat> day seven, question number seven. Statement number seven is how do I get rid of this completely so that it doesn't come back? All right. Now the, the verse here, I'm going to share this with you. is: I'm going to have to do something about this. Wi-Fi. I'm so sorry, y'all. Um, John 17, two to three. And it says, as you have given him, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life that they may know you guess what that no is talking about that's the same knowing from genesis that's the word gnosko. that is it intimate knowing okay jesus was saying here that's one of my favorite scriptures jesus was sent here so that we may know him and that we may know the one true god that sent him so how do you get rid of a lie Replace it, with, re- replace it with education and replace it with truth, right? Because I think it's, I don't know why I always get this wrong. John 8.36 or 8.32. That is the truth that you know. Not like mentally ascend to knowing, right? Like I know one plus one is two, but I know God loves me. There's a difference. When you know something, in order to know it, you have to encounter, you have to experience truth okay? And that is about your identity in Christ. That is about who you are. So in order to get rid of and completely uproot this from your heart, okay, you have to experience Jesus. You have to know God. And I go deeper into how you can do that in the in the devotional, but that is it, right? I want to know Christ. That's that intimate, not like we sit down, we have a devotional for 30 minutes, I talk to him one way, and then I get up and go, I think I've had a great day. Uh Uh-uh, okay? That is, I ask you a question, and I wait for him to answer, (laughs) right? So it is a knowing, it's John 73, that you sent me to give them eternal life, and this is eternal life, not living forever, eternal life, right? Because we get the abundant life from knowing Jesus. he is the bread of life right so that is it what y'all think how was that for you today and i so apologize for my wife i'm gonna have to figure something out um that was supposed to be a sex is not supposed to be painful emotional or physically yes 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 it is definitely not supposed to be if you guys want to have more um, biological sex conversations. I'm completely open and feel completely comfortable with doing that. Maybe we can do some late night, um, grown folk um, conversations about um, just sex itself for people who are newly coming into accepting who they are. Maybe you've never been with someone before and you're just curious to know like what is what does that look like? What is it supposed to you know, how do I engage in this behavior? Obviously, consensually, safely, according to your sexual values and ethics, right? Please do not hear me saying go out and 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 uh go do all the other stuff. <laughs> you gotta you gotta do it in alignment with what your sexual ethics is. Because if you're doing anything that is not a faith, that's what sin is. So if you don't believe it, and you don't believe that it's it's what you're supposed to be doing. You doing it is actually you missing the mark and you sinning, okay? What about no sex before marriage? The church, the church keeps teaching it. We've talked about fornication before. Which fornication is about um, the selling of sex? Because most of the time, all of the time really, the church teaches that the word fornication means having sex outside of marriage. And that's not what that word means. In the Bible there is no like ceremony and then like wedding night okay in the bible when you have sex with someone that's when that union begins that's when that marriage starts okay so take it how you will um when we when we join with another person okay that is a union that is a spiritual union that's happening it's not Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Um, I know some people maybe have evolved to the point where they can do that. I know I was there at a certain point in my life as well. Um, not saying I'm completely free from that. <laughs> but what I'm saying is in the Bible, the way that the purity culture teaches about sex before marriage is not in scripture. The scripture that talks about um, in order for you to not burn, go ahead and get married to somebody is the closest thing that i can think about that says that specifically addressing um having sex outside of marriage but it's again it's talking to a man who's going around and and sleeping with prostitutes so they're saying why don't you just go get your own your own your own woman right so that's um my understanding of it uh sex before marriage sex should be Something that is healing and beautiful and connected with someone who you know, sees you, understands you, values you. That's the best sex you can have, okay? The best sex I have ever had has been with me in a committed relationship with someone that I was planning on getting married to. The best sex, okay? And that best sex was with a woman. Um, So... Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for that experience. <laughs> it was a very spiritual, child. Look, I was having out-of-body experiences, speaking in tongues, but let me stop. <laughs> let me stop messing with y'all. Um, but we keep it real here, right? This is what this is what we do because nobody's having these conversations, okay? So there's no shame. I'm not ashamed about it at all. And I'm completely open to talking to you more about it. So maybe we'll do some late nights... Um, Late night, uh, late night scopes and just uh, get a little, a little raw um, and just be respectful, but ask questions. And um, you know what? Sex is a beautiful gift from God. The high that we get, the orgasm high, is what every drug is trying to, to emulate and copy. The best high is the high that God's already given us an orgasm. And the orgasm is ecstasy. And the Bible says in Psalm 1611, that in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. And that's ecstasy. We were called to live orgasmic lives. So we're living anything less than that. God is calling us up higher to say this is like he gives us sex and gives us thing in the world, these things in the world to say, to be an example of what our relationship with him is supposed to be like, right? which the marriage relationship the committed relationship um, mostly mirrors that so in that act of sex right John 17 3 the knowing of Jesus that is supposed to culminate and climax into an orgasmic state of being that we walk in that constant state of joy so if God is convicting you of anything he'll be convicting of you not experiencing the joy that he's called you to Right? Um, I started reading John Piper's book for some reason. I just can't finish it, but it's called Desiring God. And the first chapter is so amazing because he says how we as humans um, don't even know how really to enjoy God. Like, we don't, we have, and just enjoy life, we have no idea what it truly means to enjoy life. Like, we are settling for crap. And God keeps saying like, I've given all of this to you. Why are you settling for that? Like you can have so much more. So if God convicts you, he's always gonna convict you to more joy, okay? More peace all the time. The fruit of the spirit is love and out of love, right? If you read that scripture, it doesn't say the fruits of the spirit. It says the fruit of the spirit, Galatians 5.22, is love. Out of love, knowing that you're loved by God, comes the joy comes the peace, comes all that good stuff, okay? Anyway, I'm not gonna preach to y'all anymore. So thank you all. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, Thank you all so much for joining me today for Queer Christian Conversations. And if you are wanting to work more closely with me, um, more one-on-one, go into the link in my bio and set up a free call with me right now. Um, It's 50 minutes and we build a plan to help you get to that orgasmic life that you deserve and that you were created for right? How many preachers have told you that? Mm, I don't know. I guess technically I am a preacher because I am a licensed minister. So yeah. So I'm this preacher, this coach telling you, you're a creator for orgasmic living. Why aren't you living it? It's time. Okay. I love y'all so much. You have a beautiful night. I'll talk to y'all later.
1: Bye. Hello, hello, this is Coach Yama interrupting your podcast listening to let you know how you can work with me. I offer a one-on-one coaching program called The Path to Acceptance, and this program might be right for you if you want to no longer feel like a mistake, a sinner, or an abomination because of your sexual orientation. If you want to be confident that you are loved and accepted as someone made in the image of God and be 100% certain you're living in obedience with scripture, this might be right for you. And I'm offering right now a free 50-minute session that you can book with me right now. If you go to my website, www.yema.com, and book a free call with me right now. And on that call, we are going to decide what the plan is for you, the right plan is for you to move powerfully forward into your full acceptance from God and in God. I hope to talk to you soon. Bye.